Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's episode of How Did It Do It Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Sayla Prack. Today, I am honored to be joined by Matt Jones. Matt is a CEO of Hawk Wing Capital and has been investing in real estate since 2015. He owns 40 multifamily units and 244 senior assisted living beds. He's also the host of two podcasts, the Passive Real Estate Podcast and Pillars of Wealth Creation. Additionally, he authored a comprehensive book, Book About Real Estate, summarizing and reviewing top real estate literature. So Matt, thank you so much for spending time with me today. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. So Matt, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how did you get started with real estate to begin with? Yes, of course. A long time ago, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like many people, and it just blew my mind. It took me a while, about a decade after I read that, before I actually took action to buy my first property. It was a live-in triplex where I lived in one unit and rented out the other two units. And you know, I saved money for my job to be able to buy that, and I saved money to be able to buy my next multifamily property, but it was just going so slowly until 2019, I learned about real estate syndication as a concept. And it just blew me away. Like, whoa, I wish I had known about that in the beginning. I wouldn't have even started with the small stuff. I would have just jumped into real estate syndication because uh, with that, I'm no longer dependent upon my ability to save up money for my job to invest because I'm using other people's money for the most part. And I don't have to graduate and slowly accumulate units over time. I can just jump into the big stuff. Got it. Jumped right into that. That's awesome. So can you tell us a little bit more about the syndication? How does that work? If our listener listening to this and they wanted to invest in the real estate syndication like yourself, how does the process work? Yeah, it's similar to if you think of a joint venture where maybe two or more people pull their money and resources together to buy a property together. And they both have to be active in some way, shape, or form. You know, Maybe one oversees the contractors, the other makes sure the business plan is being executed with rent comps and things like that. <laughs> but real estate syndication is like that. However, some of the investors in the deal are only passive, where they don't do any work whatsoever. And you know, some people are active in managing the, the property and business plan, and mm-hmm. the others are passive. And so it falls under the guidance of the SEC. So there's a lot of extra rules and regulations associated with a syndication versus a joint venture. So a lot of laws to be followed, essentially. But I mean, you just follow the laws and you can make a lot of money. And it's a really good opportunity for people to diversify their money because their money is being spread out across multiple units, you know, mm-hmm. you know sometimes hundreds of units at a time. And uh, so they own like a piece of a big unit property versus all of a small unit property. And again, if you have a single family house and there's a vacancy, that's a hundred percent vacancy. But if you own 1% of a hundred unit place and there's a vacancy in there, that's still a 99% occupancy rate. So it really doesn't make any difference if there's one vacancy. So it's really nice in that. And especially when you have somebody like the active partners, if they know what they're doing, if they're experienced, they have a good track record, then as passive investors can really feel rest assured that their money is going to work for them and it's likely going to work out in their favor with you know good returns. 
Got it, got it. And Matt, you mentioned that you, when you first started, you started with triplex, right? You live in one and run it for the other two, and then you move into syndications, and based, uh, you started, and then you move into multifamilies and senior assisted living. How do you select those asset class, and why those two the primary one for you? Multifamily, I consider my bread and butter. It, everybody always needs a place to live, and we have housing crisis in the United States right now. There's more people want available units than there are available units. So the demand is strong. And as long as you're buying right, good locations and good markets at a good prices and operating the multifamily correctly, it's going to do well, even during a downturn. And then I really like senior assisted living right now. I think this is a perfect time to buy senior assisted living because of what I call the silver tsunami. The baby boomers are almost at that point where they need that little extra level of care with assisted living versus just a, like a 55 plus community or independent living. And the number of senior assisted living facilities and units is not near what the demand will be over the next 10 years. So I think anything you buy right now and stabilize and hold on for the long term is just going to be a cash cow. So I really love senior assisted living right now too. Got it, got it. And as for the senior assisted living, how is that different from the multifamilies in terms of like you're looking at the deals and is it more attractive than multifamilies right now in the current market? Uh, what is your recommendation or what is your insight? Well, it depends on the market. Some markets are with multifamily or assisted living are oversaturated versus and they need more units. So I would say us with senior assisted living, it's really operations heavy. With multifamily, it's easier to kind of jump in and figure things out. But with senior assisted living, it's just more complex. So you don't want to jump into it if you don't know what you're doing or haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, you can partner with somebody who does have really good experience. And so you can invest that way. Mm -hmm. So you're not just uh, in over your head, essentially. I know people who have bought senior assisted living because they thought like, oh, this is a great time to buy it, which it is, but they didn't know how to operate it. And so their money kind of either stagnated or they lost money because of that. So it really comes down to good operations for senior assisted living. Again, if you invest passive with somebody else who knows what they're doing, then you're probably going to be good to go. Got it, got it. And you mentioned that it depends on the markets, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to focus a little bit on the assisted living on this point, because that is uh, majorities of your portfolio as well. And so for the market itself, how do you select one that is the right market for assisted living? You mentioned that some of the market are a little bit more saturated. Are there any reports or anything like that that you actually follow to making sure that you selected the right market? Well, let me put it this way. We actually found a niche that we really like, my partners and I, with rural areas, because there are people who grew up in rural areas and they want to stay in the rural areas. They don't want to have to go to big cities for their elder care. They want to stay around the culture that they know, the people that they know. And so by finding these rural areas where there's a few thousand people in the area or small town, but there's not very many senior assisted living. For us, that's a great opportunity, especially when the senior assisted living is owned by mom and pop shops. Maybe during the pandemic, they kind of ran things to the ground and they're just frustrated and just want mm -hmm. out. Well, that's a problem that we can solve. We can take over these facilities for discounted price and turn things around, increase the occupancy rate, stabilize the staffing and really get good systems in place for the operation side mm -hmm. to make it more profitable. 
Got it. And for assisted living, in terms of underwriting, is it okay? I jump into a little bit more of the underwriting part of things. Sure. For the assisted living, for the revenue side of things, what are some of the things that we can actually increase in the revenues for the asset class? So there's value add with assisted living like there is with multifamily. So you can make the place a little bit nicer, increase the number of services that are available and have kind of a sliding fee scale for different things. So if somebody needs medication support or Mm -hmm. help with their food or help changing their clothes, if they have an accident or something, there's different sort of packages that we put together to individualize people and to make their lives easier. And that makes it more attractive for people. And you can also build good relationships with social workers and hospitals and people like that so that you have good inflow of residents. Mm -hmm. I think it really comes down to making sure your vacancy rate is pretty low. And then also with staffing wise, if you have, you stabilize your staffing. And that's another reason why we like rural areas. It tends to be a little harder to find staff, but the ones that you do stay for longer and staff turnover is pretty expensive actually, because you have to pay all this money for training and you lose all this knowledge and whatnot. But if you can attract and retain good staff for long periods of time, mm-hmm. that saves you a lot of money in the long term. And then some of our units, we've also converted from regular senior assisted living to memory care, which is an even higher level of care. And of course, we get more income at the same time for that. Got it, got it. And in terms of the expenses side, compared to multifamilies, if somebody who invested in multifamilies or single family, what are some of the things that they should look out for or would be surprised if when they uh, try to jump into assisted living? Staffing is going to be a big pain point with the oversight as well as the financials, because that's really going to be your number one expense mm-hmm. right there, of course, besides the mortgage. But so you want to make sure that that's kept under control. Mm-hmm. And the number one way to do that is to make sure you have good management in place. So we have on site managers at each location that we mm-hmm. have. And we also have a property management company that oversees all the different locations. And then one of our partners is the asset manager that oversees the property manager. But with good management in place at each location, Mm -hmm. that manager is going to be able to attract and retain good staff, determine which staff aren't up to snuff and be able to turn them around or get them out the door. Because if you have one bad apple in a bunch, uh, that can kind of spoil the whole thing. But so sometimes you're better off just getting rid of people who are not a good fit for that kind of work. So it really comes down to the manager to make sure that the staffing is under control and flowing smoothly and at the same time limits your pain points as well as maintains the budget at what you expected it to be. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Got it, got it. And also, like for our limited partners or listeners who are actually listening to this podcast right now and they want to jump and invest in assisted living, right? How do they network or find out about all these deals? Like any suggestions? Yeah, I would say, you know, to back things up a minute, 
the deal doesn't matter as much as whoever is in charge mm-hmm. because you could have the best deal in the world but if somebody is in charge who is either shady or maybe they just don't know what they're doing or not very good they can take that best deal in the world and run it to the ground mm-hmm. but if you have a mediocre deal and a solid operator they're going to make that deal work out so you're better off networking like you say and meeting good operators and so there's real estate conferences you can go to mm-hmm. listening to podcasts such as yours learn about people that are in the space or there's a local meetup events that sort of stuff to be able to meet people in senior assisted living and i'm also happy to talk with people whether somebody invests with me or not i love talking about real estate and senior assisted living as well so people are more than welcome to contact me and i can kind of set them in the right direction of where they want to go Got it, got it. And so as a disclaimer, like I, next I wanted to talk about what the listeners should expect if they invested in the assisted living, what type of returns that they should be expecting, right? So the numbers that you're okay to talk about it and the numbers that you mentioned on the show, of course, it's not going to be like what is going to be projected as a future returns or anything like that. Any investment kind of like has risk and returns and the projected returns are completely different from deal to deal. But just an example, if you can give an example, what would it look like and what would the deal structure look like comparing to any other deals like single families or multifamilies or something like that? Yeah. So you can expect internal rate of return or IRR somewhere normally between 19 to 22, maybe a little even higher than that, depending on how well the deal goes, of course. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you're doubling your money in like maybe four, four and a half years or so. And that's between the cash flow as well as the appreciation that mm-hmm. uh, can be forced and, and created off of the property. And it tends not to, like depending on the deal, and every deal is contingent upon what's going on with that. But there's a lot of value add or there's a high vacancy rate going on, then it's not going to be so cash flow heavy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, then you're going to have a, a nice, negative K-1 to offset some of your taxes in the beginning at the same time. And then you kind of catch up after that in the years to come. And like I said, mentioned earlier, I think Mm -hmm. assisted living, you really want to hold on to it for a long period of time at this point in the cycle. So if you buy it now and then hold on to it, and then it's just going to produce more and more and more over time. And whereas like multifamily, I tend to look at properties that have at least a 15 IRR. Mm-hmm. internal rate of return. So I think assisted living gives a little bit better returns than multifamily, again, depending on the deal. Yeah. But the main thing, like I mentioned before, is the operations. Like if you yeah. don't have the operations under control, it's going to be trouble. Got it. Got it. And in terms of financing, how hard is it to get finance for assisted living? Is it easier than multifamilies or how does that work? Or they need a lot of experiences and liquidities. It has to be specifically with the assisted living or if you have background in the investing in multifamilies or any other set classes, what would that count? We tend to go with local banks for this, especially our the places we're buying our mom and pop. So they're mm-hmm. anywhere from like each location has anywhere from 12 to 50 beds each. And sometimes we like to buy these part of a portfolio too, whenever possible versus buying like one location and then an, another location. Like if we can buy multiple locations at the same time, that's nice. Mm-hmm. But with the local banks, they really like investing in their local community. Mm-hmm. And so when you can show like, hey, this is a local place serving local people, you're, you're going to get sometimes a little bit better terms in your mortgage than you would with like a big national bank. So Mm -hmm. that's why we like those local banks a little bit better for that. But otherwise, it's pretty similar to multifamily, I would say, especially with real estate syndication. So you need a good business plan. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of little details like you need a key principal, somebody who has a high net worth individual or a group of people that uh, kind of balance against the mortgage. And then you got to have money for the down payment as well as capital expenses, as well as reserves to be put up in the beginning. So that way you're set up for 
success uh, as it. the deal goes on. Got it. Got it. Thank you so much, Matt, for all these informations. And is there anything about the assisted living that you would like to share with our listeners that I haven't asked? I think it's a great space to be in, like I mentioned, because you're not just offering space for people, but you're kind of in charge of their lives. Like their lives are dependent upon how well you do this. So there's a lot more responsibility with it yes. than there is with multifamily. So you want to make sure that things are in order, that things are operating correctly, and that you're providing a great service for people so that you and you know, add life to their years so that improve the quality of their life. So just that extra level of responsibility and attention to detail is needed with that versus multifamily or single or family houses. Got it. Got it. And Matt, you wrote a book, book about real estate. Tell us a little bit about your book and what inspired you to write a book. Yeah, it's the book that I wish existed when I first started learning about real estate. Because when you're first new to real estate, trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, there's like a ton of different ways to invest in real estate. And you have that kind of swirl syndrome where everything is a shiny object. You're like, oh, look at that. Look at that. I, I want to do this. And so there's so many different ways to make money in real estate. It's hard in the beginning to choose one. And so my book, it covers pretty much the whole spectrum of different options with real estate investing so that you can kind of tip your toes in the water to get the feel for what each thing might be like. Mm-hmm. And then from there, decide which one is right for you to start off with. And what I did was I found what I thought to be the best books in different aspects of real estate investing. And I took that book, I summarized it, just got down to the meat and potatoes of it and gave my readers the best information. So that book I summarized down into a chapter worth of material for each book. And by reading my book, essentially people are reading 20 some books all about real estate and kind of learning about all of it and deciding there which angle they want to take. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much for doing that. I know I'm probably in the same shoes when you first started with investing in real estate. There's so many books and so many options and so many asset classes. You do like it's very hard to choose which one is the right one for you. And that shiny object, right? You read one book about like multifamily, you read another book about self-storage, and then you read another book about like different asset classes. You're like, oh, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. No, that's not the right ways to do it because your focus can only focus on certain things, right? You can't focus on 10 assets asset classes and be successful in 10 asset classes. I'm pretty sure there's people who can actually do that, right? But it's going to be really difficult to catch all 10 asset classes at the same time, right? So thank you so much for writing that book. So if our listener wanted to get that book, is it available on Amazon or where can you? Yeah, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, all of those things. Oh, that's awesome. And also you have two podcasts, one, the Passive Real Estate Podcast, and the other one is Pillars and Well Creation Podcast. What inspired you to create two podcasts and what's the difference between the two? Yeah. So uh, Pillars of Wealth Creation, I joined that with another guy, Todd Dexheimer, who had been doing it for mm-hmm. a couple of years before me. And I started doing it with him in 2019, but he started in 2017. Mm-hmm. And that's really all about like, mindset for business and real estate success. And whereas the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I started earlier this year as a resource for passive real estate investors. So I really niched down. So I talked to passive real estate investors to talk about their stories and insight for other investors to learn about, as well as active syndication sponsors who use money from uh, passive real estate investors to talk about how they best support their mm-hmm. passive investors. That way people can listen to my past podcast and learn about different operators, learn stories, learn insight, and kind of all the nit and gritty of passive real estate investing. Got it. That's awesome. So Matt, so how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? 
Like I mentioned before, it blew my mind. It's really inspired me. It's changed my path. I have a background in mental health support and disability support. But whereas I see real estate as a vehicle to make the world a better place, because that's actually my background in disability and mental health is to help make the world a better place. But real estate gives me the power, the ability to do more good than I could on my own, because now I'm impacting many people's lives all at the same time. And just instead of just the few that I'm touching personally. So it just allows me to achieve my life mission of creating a better world. It's awesome. So what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? I wish I knew that I didn't have to do it alone. And that's my biggest mistake when I first started was trying to do it all on my own. And it just went so slowly. And I thought like, ah, man, I'm smart. I I should be able to get this going faster. But until I took a nice big slice of humble pie and decided, okay, I have to start working with other people. And then I started networking. I started learning about what other people are doing. And that's really when it took off for me. And my real estate venture has exploded since then, essentially. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for spending time with me today to talk about your real estate journeys, to talk to me about like different asset classes, multifamilies, assisted living, some of the tips on in terms of the underwriting revenues and expenses, and also about your book and your podcast. So really appreciate you spending time with me today. If our listener wanted to find out more about you, about your book, about your podcast, or wanted to invest with you, where can they go? Well, there's my website, hawkwingcapital.com, or they can email me, matt at hawkwingcapital.com. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much again for spending time with me today, especially on a Friday. So we appreciate you. Thank you, you too. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.